I am um, part of a number of Facebook groups for Nazarene pastors, and um, there was a, uh, a there is a pastor. I won't identify the person, obviously, because it wouldn't be appropriate. But there was a pastor who was on there this week who shared that they have been struggling and they've been going to a counselor. And the counselor said to them, well, what you've got is a really bad case of imposter syndrome. And you just, we need to work through that. Well, I have a degree in counseling. I have been involved with counseling for years and I've never heard of that term. And I was like, what in the world? So I, I wrote and I said, I'm sorry, but this is a new term to me. Can you please give me an understanding of what you're talking about? Well, then everybody and their brother, oh, you just don't know. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, I feel stupid now. Sorry. But what it is, is there's a, there's a manual that, that the, the American Psychological Association puts out called the DSM. And the DSM is the listing of every disorder that there is known to man. And it's that thick. And, um, and I was doing some research because I was like, how did I never hear this before? Well, it's because it's not a disorder. It's not a, dis- it's not a, it's not a disorder. It is simply, it is a, a state of being that is, a, that is people are made aware of as they're trying to figure out why they're struggling. Okay, but it's not a disorder. But it can lead to a diagnosis of anxiety or depression. Okay, I've never heard of this. It's been around since 1985, talking about it in clinical situations. But anyway, bottom line, I was like, okay, so let me, let me learn a little bit about this, just for my own edification. What is in the, what in the world is imposter syndrome? Well, imposter syndrome is being afraid of getting found out that you aren't who people think you are. Wow! You all responded in an interesting way. Does that mean maybe we have some imposter syndrome going on in our place? Now, basically what it is, as I've done the reading, is some people who struggle with this can't accept their own success. They can't accept their own doing well. People compliment them. Hey, you did really great. Uh, it was just luck. I'm, I, no, I, you don't understand. If you really could see inside me, you would know that no, none of that's real. Uh, if you could see the real me, you would know that I'm not worthy of any of these compliments that you're trying to pass towards me. And what it is, is it's, it's, it deals with insecurity, it deals with false sense of personhood, etc., 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 right? And I was, I, I, as I was reflecting on that, it's only been like Tuesday or Wednesday, and I was reflecting on it just on and off throughout the week, going, meh. I, I'm thankful it's not in my life, because it's not. I mean, years ago it was. I, 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 could have, I could have definitely used some counsel back in the 80s, when they first started talking about this, because I really did struggle with that kind of stuff, a sense of, I, I can remember one time when we were living, it was the early 90s, we were living in England, and the base was closing down, and so as the base was closing down, people were moving out, and little by little, the crowd was getting smaller and smaller. Well, I was one of the last ones out. And I turned to one of my fellows the other day uh, at work, and, and I turned to him and I said, Ed, do you realize 
You and I are senior management at this point. This is scary because I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, neither do I. And he's like, we're in trouble because <laughs> we're in charge. And it's just this sense of I don't feel, I don't feel worthy of. I don't feel like I am the. I don't feel like the outside persona is the real me. And I don't know if I'm doing justice to this. But as I was reflecting on that, then I started preparing for my sermon. And the the passage of scripture that God led me to was really intriguing. I was like, well, that kind of fits right in there, maybe. Um, in Matthew chapter 8, and then in Luke chapter 7, there is a story of a man who was a Roman citizen, who was a commander over a hundred people. He was a centurion. And this centurion lived in a village of Capernaum. And in Capernaum, I mean, and in, in this village where he lived, he had his own home. And as I was telling him in the Sunday school this morning, I don't know if it was his own home that he had purchased and built or if it was something provided to him because of his job. But either way, it was his place. And he was, he had servants and he had his family there. And he had apparently a really good, faithful servant that he really enjoyed. Uh, and this person got sick. To the point of death. And Jesus was passing through the village of Capernaum. And the centurion, as the story goes, reaches out to Jesus. Now, if you read Matthew, the centurion himself comes to Jesus. If you read Luke, the centurion sends some elders of the Jewish community to Jesus. And we don't know exactly what was what. I can just tell you what was in the scripture. But the words that the centurion spoke were... Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. If you will simply speak the words, my servant will be healed. And as the story goes, Jesus turns to the people around him and says, I am amazed. In all of Israel, I have not seen this kind of faith. That he would believe and understand that I don't have to come and do some hocus pocus or touch. I literally can just make it happen from a distance. That's a powerful faith. I turned off the phone. I forgot to turn off the iPad. Sorry about that, folks listening on Internet. <laughs> it's being recorded. I'll see if I can if I can remove it. Um, anyways, where was I? Uh, what did I just say? Amazing faith. Sorry. So here we've got this person who's being honored by Jesus as having an amazing faith. But what is his heart's attitude? I am not worthy for you to even come into my house. Now, there's a lot of cultural stuff there. I mean, because the, the reality is, um, uh, he was a, he, from what we understand from Luke, he was a God-fearer, but he was not Jewish. So he honored God, he loved God, but he was not Jewish. Therefore, it, would have, it was like in the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, where Peter was asked to come into the home of this Gentile, and he was going to defile himself, and then God said, what I've 
what I've declared clean, you don't, you don't call dirty. Well, it's that same setting. This centurion, being a God-fearer, knew that by having Jesus come into his house, Jesus was going to be defiled. So he's literally saying, don't come into my house. You don't need to come into my house. Just speak the word and my soul, my servant will be taken care of. So who knows whether it was, I am not worthy, like I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, or was it, a cultural thing of saying, listen, I understand if you come into my place because I'm not a Jew, you would be defiling yourself, so don't. You don't need to do that. I just need you to help. We don't know what his words or what his intent was. We only have at face value what we see. But at face value, what we see is a man who said, I am not worthy. So whether it was a cultural I'm not worthy or whether it was a personal I don't feel worthy for you who I perceive to be the Messiah at least the powerful prophet. I don't feel worthy for you to come into my home, but I do need you, and I need your help. So there's this powerful dynamic going on. This guy is being held up as very powerful in his faith, more so than Jesus has seen any place else in all of Israel, and he's not even a Jew. And this guy going, I ain't worthy of that. I ain't worthy. Now, does he have imposter syndrome? I don't know, and I don't really care. But but there's that that thing, that dichotomy of perspective that was intriguing to me. One of the other things that, that I've thought about as I reflected is this particular verse of Scripture, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but only say the word and my soul will be healed. Has anybody ever heard that expression before? I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but only speak the word and my soul shall be healed. It's part of a liturgy in another faith group, Christian faith group. But just before they take communion, they say those words. And they literally beat their breasts. Now, let me point you to another scripture passage. Look in Luke chapter 18. I'm going to turn to it because I don't have that one memorized. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven But instead, beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The most poignant part of the liturgy of that church that I attended years ago was that part for me. 
I'm not worthy for you to come into me, to enter through the taking of this communion. I'm not, in, I'm not worthy of you to come under my roof, to enter into my world. But if you only say the word, my soul will be healed. In my morning devotions, I have a prayer that I pray. It's called the Jesus Prayer. It's this prayer. It's a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's a heart attitude that is honored by the Lord here. He said, the one who beat his breast, who wouldn't raise his eyes, who simply said, God, I'm a sinner. And I need you to make it right. Because there's nothing I can do. Do you see the difference between the Pharisees' prayer and the, 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 the tax collector's prayer? The Pharisee was all about, what have I done in my holy and righteous life? And the tax collector won't even look up. He still, he loves God. He wants to serve God, but he has an attitude that he is not worthy to even look up towards God. And so for me, there was always this blending of the two. As I've thought about this part of that liturgy that that, that so spoke to me. And still to this day speaks to me. It's this attitude of I can't look up to heaven. And I'm literally, I'm not not beating myself in the sense of I'm, I'm such a bad person. But it's God. God, please, I am not worthy. I recognize that there's still stuff in me. That takes me away from you, that, that draws my attention from you, that, and in some cases this week I have actually sinned. And it's an attitude where I'm being real with God. Now see, there's a significant difference between that and this quote unquote imposter syndrome. Okay? The imposter syndrome in my mind is sick. It's this Oh, I'm not good. I'm not worthy. Oh, I feel so bad about myself as a human being. Now, I'm not denying that. I'm not, I'm not negating that. I think people struggle with that. And I'm not making light of that. But what we see in this Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I am not worthy to raise my, even my eyes up to heaven. I am not worthy for you to come into my house. I just need you to speak the word and I know because of who you are, because of the power that you have, that you will bring healing to my life. That's a totally different attitude of humility and, and, and perspective. It's not sick. It's not even self-serving. It's just an, it's just an understanding and, an act and a recognition of who you are before God. And to me, it speaks incredible volumes. Just, it's powerful as you reflect on it. But if that's all it is, if that's all I was left with was, well, I have to have an attitude of humility. I have to have an attitude of recognizing who I am. I have to have an attitude of knowing that I can't do it in my own self. It falls, I think, one step short 
of the truth that God wants us to hear this morning. Yes, we need to keep our head down. Yes, we need to recognize that we're not worthy. But there's one step further. And it was so cool this morning. You had no clue. Nobody had a clue because nobody knew my sermon except me. But what was the very first song we sang this morning? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. God whispered to me as I was processing all of this. It's, it's nothing if you don't bring in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For we have been saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of your works. Not of anything you could do. You can't humble yourself enough to make yourself worthy enough to receive anything from God. You could beat yourself till you're black and blue trying to prove how humble you are and how how, how you recognize that you are not worthy. But there's nothing you could do to earn God's favor. It is simply a matter of receiving what is being given to you freely. God himself recognized that none of us could ever walk a path that God wants from us without God's intervention. And so God willingly paid the penalty. God willingly took on all the horrors so that God could pour out on us individually, one at a time, the grace and the mercy so that you could be found righteous in God's sight. And so for me, as I'm entering into the time of communion now, I'm brought back to the days of my youth where I had spent the last number of days thinking about this idea of humility and, and righteousness and holiness and how do I worship and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable and what do I bring and what and all of that. But when it when it comes down to it 
I need to confess and repent of any sin that is in my life. And after that, I just need to open up my hands and say, Father, I'm not worthy. But if you'll speak the words, my soul will be healed. So as I'm about to take this communion, that's my prayer for myself, Lord. Help me to be aware. It's nothing that I can do. It's nothing that I have done. It's all you. You, your love, your mercy, your grace poured out on me freely. And I just need to receive it. So, Father God, right now, as we're getting ready to go into our time of communion, I ask that you would examine our hearts. Lord, if if there's any one of us in this room that has committed sin this week, that has gone unconfessed and unrepented, I pray that you would convict us by by the very presence of your Holy Spirit, pointing that out for us. And I ask, Father God, that you would help the rest of us to have the right heart attitude of holding out our hands in expectation, knowing that we can't make any of this happen. We can just receive it freely from you. And as we take the bread and as we drink the juice, Lord, let it be again a statement of our belief and our trust in you that we are righteous and holy and Christ-like, not by any of our own effort, but because of your grace your mercy, your love, your power, your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.